Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. is a test this is, a test. <laughs> this is a test of the did will screw us all over uh broadcast shaking our fist at fate yes my <laughs> gosh i i've never felt a jinx as hard as this in my life well right before we go on will goes it's great kevin you haven't frozen a while <laughs> i mean come on man what are you doing what are you doing that's like going, hey guys you realize he's throwing a no hitter <laughs> don't bring it up <laughs> All right. Well, I'll forgive you because you're here with me. How was your week, buddy? Long but short. So there okay. you go. How, how about yours? <laughs> uh, weird, weird. Kid had a bunch of days on and off. It was it was weird. We were supposed to have a beach day today, and uh, the uh, tropical storm coming off the Gulf over our way. Uh, we had 97 percent chance of rain today. So we uh, did not go to beach day, and it was canceled when we woke up. So we just kind of. I hung around. I worked on the Kickstarter and, uh, you know, did basically, oh, we watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, third it, and then we watched Hot Shots because we didn't get to see Maverick. So I had a great day. I had a great day. Uh, but I don't think we're here to talk about my great day or your short and long week. Um, I think we are here to talk about Frankie Chastity and Chris's Kickstarters. Uh, what we usually do now is like a little 30-second elevator pitch. So... Um, Chris or Chastity, whoever would be the go-getter at a comic convention, how would you get somebody interested in the book in like 30 seconds as they tried to walk by? Well, if you like revenge, a uh, little gore, and some uh, fried chicken, check out <laughs> Rappy's Badass Song. <laughs> Is it, can anybody say no to that? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe a vegetarian, but other than that, that is the only person. All right. Uh, Frankie, how how about this new book, The Amber Door? How would you get somebody interested in that? Uh, I would say, so The Amber Door is like a mini anthology uh, focusing like on mood and tone specifically. So it's all these short little glimpses into like a fantasy universe. And it's all different characters for each skit. It's all different artists and, and letterers and colorists on each skit. Um, I'm writing them all. Um, but if you like to dive headfirst into a fantasy world and just get to walk right into it, then this is what, you know, I would say that's what it's about. Beautiful. Um, I am actually running a Kickstarter. We did our deep dive on it last week, um, but I'm going to do the little 30 second pitch. 
if you like time travel, if you like super uh, super uh, natural stories, a time traveling demon hunters are in the world's most haunted waterway. What in the hell could go wrong? So, but we did my deep dive, so we're not going to do that this week because this is for you guys. Um, we started with Chastity and Chris, so we're going to take a veer to Frankie. Uh, we're going to get right into it this week. Check the comments. And, uh, oh, Joey says, what is up, hey, Joey. Joey? We are doing great. Um, I hope you are doing well. He went to a comic convention last weekend. So Ooh. I'm sure Joey's got some some stories to tell from his uh, his, uh, his his voyage. So I'm he's going to tell us the best, the best elevator pitch he heard at the convention. <laughs> And uh, he says that he was sold with revenge and won with fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So, Frankie, I'm going to pull up um, the Amber Door and let's uh, let's talk about this, especially the art teams that you've come together. So as I pull this up, where did the idea for this uh, anthology come to you? Um, so it's basically a bunch of shorts that I have written over the past like year or so. And so I figured they all kind of felt like they were tied together into the same place and that I could put it together as this uh, way to like do do this mini anthology. Um, but what really started it, and I will openly admit, it, I got addicted to playing Elden Ring. <laughs> so <laughs> fantasy was on my brain like 24-7 and I was like, you know what, I got all these shorts, like let's actually do something with it. And something in the vein of how they're telling their story, which is like you just wander around <laughs> and get little bits here and there. <laughs> And where did you, how did you come up with the art teams? Uh, so it was all just, um, it's based on who I thought would be like the best fit for, for the project. Um, one of them is a follow-up to Broken Bear um, called The Rotted Promise. So that was obviously going to be with uh, Adam, Marky Whitson, HG. Um, I wanted to work with uh, Ice Ghost for a really, really, really long time. And they had a slot open to do like a four page, you know, sort of short comic. And I was like, let's do this. And that that was just one like, uh, you know, wish list artist to work with. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with Fellhound a bunch. Mm -hmm. So I like I like working with her a lot. So I wanted to work with her again on a skit and she did a cover too. Um, let's see who else. Um, the skit that opens, and I keep calling them skits, and I don't know why. That's not what they are. <laughs> They're short, but um, the one that so, opens, so our, our comedy readers might might be a little uh, disappointed when they. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not improv. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first short that opens it up, though, is uh, this artist named uh, Caroline Elsner, and I tabled across from her at a convention a couple years ago, and she had these really really awesome prints, and she doesn't do a ton of comic work that I'm aware of, but she was willing to do it with me for this. And it turned out awesome. I think her art's really good on this. Um, but basically, it's like everybody that I want to work with, I try to squeeze into the project. I just have like a list of people I follow on Twitter. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. I'm going to work with you someday. <laughs> and as soon as a, a short lines up for it, I, I want to work with them and get them in. I see this Fellhound design. That, that's that's classic Fellhound, even though it's fantasy and not sci-fi. You got the armor all over, so that's perfect use of her. I'm sure there's abs there too. You know, we just underneath. Them. I bet there's a lot of abs. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely abs. <laughs> but you know, you you mentioned Elden Ring, and that's not one that I've played. But you know, a lot of people in the timeline have been playing it, so I've you know vicariously played it through others, I guess. 
But when you talk about the way you get bits and story, you know, it, it takes me to Breath of the Wild, which is, yes, you know, how, how do you tell a story where it can happen in almost any order, you know, it, which I think is such an amazing kind of challenge for somebody who's trying to write something. And, I, you know, obviously, I, in my opinion, they really pulled it off in Breath of the Wild because that builds and, and, and works. But, I mean you kind of have to throw out a little bit of, well, you know, we have to have this building action, but well, they can do this, this plot element here. They can do this plot element here. I mean, it's, it's really kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that stuff is, is really been killing it because Elden Ring operates very, very similarly. It's this idea that they're breadcrumbing the story ah. all over, right? So anywhere you go, you can pick up a little bit of story, but there's not one driving, really driving narrative force outside of like start at point A, get to point B, right? Like that's the main story there. It, I, lo I love it. Nice. How long uh, did it take you to get all your artists together? And how was that working with so many artists? Um, so... I sense this was kind of like broken up into shorts over time. I mean, I think a lot of times when I found an artist I wanted, I knew who I wanted to work with. So I just asked them like directly. And if they were in it, it could be like, you know, within a day, you know, or two, you know, so you ask like, yeah, it sounds cool. We're in, um, for, in terms of putting it all together, the biggest hurdle, right. Of getting things going is just having money to pay everybody. <laughs> so like that's yeah, I know that <laughs> like the biggest thing that extends the runway. If I could, I would work with like everybody. My life would just be comics, just constant. I love getting the emails, right, of the art. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it would just be enough comics consistently that my email was never empty of just art. <laughs> awesome. No, we talk about the art emails coming in uh, as just like, it's like Christmas for an indie writer. It's it's yeah. beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you know, like you're coming up with the the money for it, so you're you're sort of the mom and dad at Christmas, you know, to to take care of the kids. But then the kids are giving the, these great presents, which maybe will allow you to earn enough money to you know get more pay more, more presents. Some more. So it's this. It's hopefully a virtuous cycle and not an endless. Uh, uh, you know, getting sucked down in the water. It really depends uh, on how you're doing. One month I'll be extraordinarily happy about how things are going, and the next month I'll be like, oh, "Shit, I really got to do a Kickstarter really soon. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't." <laughs> okay, yeah. the show can start. Ignacio is here. Hey, buddy, I, how are you? How is your drawing going this evening? Ignacio uh, listens to us and draws, which is uh, the height of a compliment. So, Ooh. yeah. So, uh, Frankie, on on the art, you're working with lots of different art teams. Mm -hmm. Are you working with a consistent letterer across all of those or a consistent colorist, or is it really every team is separate? Every team is separate. I mean, there's oh, wow. a couple of letterers I'd like to work. Like I work with DC Hopkins a lot. So he letters a couple of the shorts in this one, but then I wanted to work with Kyla Iko, who is a letterer and an artist. And uh, they thankfully were able to letter one of the shorts too. And it really just depends on, Every short has a very specific vibe I want it to have. And so I want the art, the whole art team to like reflect that and work with that. So having a cohesive like colorist or a letterer would be like almost like the opposite of what I want to do. Gotcha. Yeah. You mentioned mood and vibe on the Kickstarter page. So um, how do you, what, what were, what was in your mindset when you, when you sat down and created these different 
skits as, <laughs> as, as they were. Uh, like, did you go in and be like, I want, I want to explore a mood and come up with a plot for it? Or did you have plots and think, oh, this plot feels like this mood? What was, what came first? Um, it all usually starts not with any specific like goal. It starts with like one line pops into my head or something. I'm like, oh, that, that seems like something I could explore and, and go that way. Um, so a lot of them were based out of that. Um, the only one that I think was like, I know I'm going to do this. I don't know what it's about, but I know I'm going to do it is the broken bear follow-up. So I knew I was going to do that with Adam and AHG and, but that one again was more just like trying to just sit there and think about, you know, one little beat to start with and then just go from there as opposed to like saying, I'm going to talk about like home for this one. I'm going to talk about like sadness for this, you know, stuff like that instead of going that way. Did, um, did it feel like going, going back home, getting on a bicycle, writing with the bo broken bear stuff? Or oh, was it hard? No. Um, I love working with Adam and AHG. Um, we're like basically almost always working together. Like we finished Broken Bear, did a couple shorts in between, then <laughs> then did Eat My Flesh, Drink My Blood. You know, now me and Adam are working on something else that's a slow cooker sort of thing right now. But I, I hope I work with those two forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome to have that. You know, like somebody that you can trust like that, that, you know, you kind of know what to give them to make them excited. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, but. like they are always down with my stupid ideas <laughs> and they like will take it and they make it like look like serious art. <laughs> we, we like to call them courageous ideas on this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> show. They're almost always stupid, but but to ignore the fact that they're stupid and do them. That's courage, brother. That's right. Bravery. So I yeah. bravery. <laughs> you know, and, and there's one writer I know who actually called uh, something courageous fuckery. I, I don't know. I, I kind of <laughs> like the guy from just that quote, you know. I, I, I do know that it was about Clay Adams. We're going to talk a lot more about <laughs> pregnant bitches, bitches of war uh, later on. But I do know that that is the full quote for PBOW and our buddy Clay Adams. And that is actually a really good segue. Um, Clay actually brought up uh, Rabbit's Badass Song to us. And he said, hey, I was just on a, a podcast with this writer team and this book came up and he said, you got to get them on because the book's cool and they're cool. So let's take a second and do a deep dive on Rabbit's Badass Song. Um, so uh, that was, uh, let's see here. We got uh, Chastity, I'm going to make you start because you didn't have to do the uh, elevator that. pitch. <laughs> we like to be uh, equal opportunity on who has to talk, Thanks. not who gets to talk. The introvert so, will talk. And and you and you feel free to pass the baton. It's it's that is fine. As long as you start, you can pass the baton. But how what was the first inkling of this story? Well, um it all kind of started with um so I think everyone's pretty familiar with like the folk tale about Br'er Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Um and that was always a fascination of his. But it was that in combination with some, this ongoing joke that we had with each other. And it was also a mixture of, uh, what's the director's name that did the... Um, what, Sweet, Sweet Max, Badass Song? No. Um, Ralph Basky? Yeah, yeah, Ralph yeah. Ralph Basky, yeah, the animator. But what uh, was the name of Street Fight? Street, uh, it was originally called Coonskin, then it changed it to Street Fight. Yeah, where it was like, um, 
Ralph Ashkey's kind of like a take on Br'er Rabbit. And so we wanted to do our own take, like a modern take on Br'er Rabbit. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yes. I should yeah. take over. <laughs> no, it, it does make sense. Yeah. But um, I, I, I want to go through the 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 steps from that to um, how do you go from a modern take on Brer Rabbit to like plotting this out and actually conceiving what the actual story would be? And either one of you can answer. We're not going to keep you on the spot. All that. that's, <laughs> that's not fair. We want people to have fun. Yeah. Well, that was like a 10-year uh, journey. It was right a 10-year journey. It, it was, nice. So the, the, the thing about it is our backgrounds as well. Um, both come from film backgrounds. Uh, I was pretty much self-taught with film. You know, I've, I've written screenplays, and I worked on a lot of independent sets around my, our area. So not a lot of film community here. Uh, Chash actually went to school and graduated from Full Sail. So... Um, for okay. yeah, and film for for a long time we were gonna do film. We were you know, but that is you know a beast of its own nature, just you know production and budget and stuff. And uh, but at, at our heart, I've always been a comic fan ever since I was a child. I've always loved comics. I've read them, you know, and I've I, I've done art myself, and um, I was always like writing stories, you know, and drawing them out and stuff. And I've worked, you know, uh, uh, I had collaborated with friends over the years, so. You know, I knew, you know, the, the fundamentals of how to make a comic book. And that was always another possibility. Well, you know, depending on what happens first, you know, either we can make a movie or make a comic book, heck, maybe and do both. Mm -hmm. But because of circumstances, we were we were in a situation where we could, the comic book was more accessible to do than the um, movie thing. So we didn't do Rabbit first. We had the idea for Rabbit. We said, no, we can't put that out first. We got to get our feet wet and kind of show people what we can do. So we did a short, a smaller story, which is this right here called Pop Singer. And it's a one shot. It's like a small little 20, 20 page story about a, about a Illuminati. And like we kind of took like the, all the tropes and you know, the, the lore about the Illuminati and created like this actual story out of it. And that's how we found the artist for um, Rabbit. Because we said whoever, we, you know, we need a strong artist to do Rabbit. And we had guys in the past try out, you know, do some preliminary drawings, but we still were looking for the right person. So I said, all right, when we do the pop singer story, I will I, that's how we'll find our guy. So I found a gentleman by the name of Helen Mate on um, Facebook, and he's he lives in Berlin. And I you know, told him the, the story of pop singer, he was really on board because I saw his art. He was drawing a horror comic at the time. So, all right, he, you know, I think he'll definitely work out. So when he gave me like the first three pages to pop singer, I already knew, yeah, he's going to be the guy for our next project. So oh, we did beautiful. pop sing. We did pop singer, and um, we actually put that up for free. You know, we we, we did the whole thing. We had, we had a, a uh, yeah. We got a new website we're building now, but our old website we had put it up for about a, a few months. And like, said, look, guys, like, just check it out. You know, we want not ask anybody to buy anything. <laughs> we want people to see what we could do. Mm -hmm. And um, we did like free little booklets and all that stuff. And people seen it. It was well received, and uh, people want to know what we can do next. And that's when. We started, you know, doing stuff about rabbit. We had already like started drawing some of the pages out. We did some some uh, designs, so we were able to, you know, feed that to people to keep them, you know, anticipated to the release. So we actually put out issues one and two of rabbit, um, independently all by ourselves. Okay. But uh, all that said, getting back to how we the, the process again, since we're both like we got film background, and I got a comic, book, you know. I, comic background for writing scripts for comics chassis very well read she reads a lot of novels and all you know you know she she could easily write a book 
you know, without me or anything. Uh -huh. So, and she's very good with dialogue. So we, we were able to put that together and our love for Quentin Tarantino films. Like we, we study a lot of his stuff, like his, his pacing and dialogue. And that we kind of, you know, our writing is kind of more like in that nature. So what we usually do is, you know, after we had came up the concept for Rabbit, you know, figure out who the characters were, where we're going to go with the story. I kind of outline the whole thing. I just do, I do like real quick outlines, like, you know, do, 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 and then I hand it to her and she's able to start adding the guts to it. She'll start mm -hmm. like flush out the story, putting the dialogue to it. And we'll, that's kind of like our first draft in a way. And I'll take that. And again, since I can do like little, you know, like sketches, I'll break down the pages in the comic book form. Mm -hmm. From there, we'll start building an actual script. And so this whole process, that usually, we work very fast. So we can usually crank out the first actual comic book script within a week. We usually do about three passes within okay. like a month. By the time we get that fourth one, we give it to the artist. And I, we always make this joke that we say the book gets made three times. It gets made when we write it. It gets made again when he draws it. And then it gets made again with a letter and puts the letters on it. Because we're constantly mm -hmm. tweaking things around to make sure everything fits correctly. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, who's who's the letterer on the book? Uh, go ahead. Tobin Rassico. I think that's how you say his last yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> um. I noticed that very stark black and white. Is that just because that was the artist's style or was that always how you wanted to do it? It looks amazing. That is how we wanted it. Um, we wanted it to be like very, um, what's the word? Kind of scary, you know, a little bit. Like gritty, noir. Gritty, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It definitely has that Sin City feel to me, although the, the artwork's a little more detailed than Frank Miller did on sin city but it's definitely that stark black and white that that is it's black and white for a reason and you could tell that from the second you look at the page as opposed to it's black and white and and i'm not gonna this is great for everybody black and white is cheaper to print and you don't have to pay a colorist mm -hmm. so it is okay to do black and white just to save money if you're a creator oh, but yeah. it's better when you read a comic that's black and white because the story should have been intended black and to white. be exactly right. yeah yeah it worked out really well all the way around with him like he he got us you know he understood it so i just think we worked well together like you know he yeah yeah like we have some complicated scripts uh sometimes and um they're very detailed i won't say complicated <laughs> but anyways um i think some artists have maybe struggled with that like that we've tried out in the past um um and he'll he'll just the second he got the script he just knew exactly what we were saying and it was i mean that's hard to yeah. find well we well, so. well, one thing we do when we, our writing process I'm a I'm a detail freak. I don't like leaving vague things because that that sometimes the artists that can confuse them because you know I've seen incidents where people they get upset. The artist go, "Well, I didn't write it like this." And I was like, "Well, you didn't say anything. You you literally said guy jumps out of the building. I mean, that could be interpreted in twenty different ways, <laughs> <laughs> you know." Yeah. So we yeah. try to you know we try to actually detail out more. And I, I'll always send photo references if I can't do like a little crude sketch. I'll like put you know point in the direction like a film scene or. a I never comic anything, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I, I think details help. And that's that also helped us speed the process along. So there, there was never I, I don't think there's ever a time he sent us anything. And we we're like, no, nah, that's not what we wanted. And even he really liked our scripts. And maybe there might have been a few things he, he uh, suggested that we change. And, you know, we're, 
we said, cool. You know what I'm saying? I always mm -hmm. told like, you know, take this. If you can make it better, we mm -hmm. can work it out. You know, there's no ego here. At the end yeah. of the day, it's about the book, not about us. Right. So, you know, it, it just works out. And you said he's from Berlin, so I'm going to assume English is not his first language. So you need to be even more clear, right? Yeah. yeah. We, we've never, so we've known Halil for about two years now, right? Longer than that, because we did. Yeah, so about like three years. years I've never had a conversation. We've never video chat. We've never actually <laughs> talked. We've always just text. Um, mm -hmm. We've talked about, I asked him, are, are you comfortable? Doing? He said, yeah. He said, no, he, he wouldn't mind doing it, but we've just been texting <laughs> in this <Yeah>. work. <laughs> My artist is in France and we do 95% of our, our relationship has been emails or, uh, you know, DMs or whatever, because it, it's just easier. Um, the first time I met him was at a comic convention. You know, uh, I, I flew up to New York and he flew over to New York and we met and it was the first time we'd ever spoken. Oh. And we had done three issues of comic together. <laughs> wow. But like it is, I have to be very careful in a lot of the, the, I'm not that detailed sometimes. So sometimes I'll put something in a script and I get a page back that's a little different. And I go back and I look at the script. And I'm like, well, that's on you, Kevin. You uh, you just used American jargon You and, and thought you could just get away with it. And uh, this guy's using Google Translate and it didn't come out right. So then I've got to... I've got to either fix the dialogue for what I did wrong, or sometimes I really have to, get, you know, all right, you have to change it, but it's not your not your fault. It's totally mine. So well, but I think detail's it, smart. Sometimes it works out really great. You know, you've got uh, the uh, the symbol from Tart. That would be Tart Eleven. Yeah, Tart Eleven. Yeah, yeah. We had one in in Berlin, nineteen thirty six. A little different Berlin than your artist works with, thankfully, um, with the uh, the swastika. But I wasn't going to have our girls wear an actual swastika. So what I wrote was um, instead of the swastika, it's you know four birds like this because yeah. uh, it would still look like a swastika if, if it was yeah, yeah. and he didn't understand what i meant so he drew four doves of peace <laughs> and i looked at it and i was like that is beautiful that is so good i'm so glad he didn't you know listen to me with my sort of <laughs> hackneyed just you know i'm a cool guy thing and he did this beautiful thing and i asked him he goes oh no i just didn't understand i thought you wanted birds <laughs> <laughs> so we accidentally did a gorgeous, beautiful thing because I did not write very well. So <clears throat> score one for comic writers. You mentioned reference. I'm going to ask the whole panel, what's the weirdest or craziest reference you've ever sent an artist? Um, I guess I can, I can go first. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, I already know the Klansman. Oh, so in a, in issue two, Rabbit, it tore, it's a setup for issue three, but one of his first uh, opponents he's in a fight is this very roided out uh, Klansman with a chainsaw. <laughs> and uh, so, and I've always had this image I wanted, I, I don't know, I, I always thought like Leverface meets a KKK member. So I knew he would not know what I was saying if I just wrote that script. So I said, I'd uncomfortably, uncomfortably pick pictures of Klansman offline. Oh. And, uh, yeah. you know, and actually pick a picture of Leatherface and kind of like I did a little sketch. And I said, OK, take these two things and put them together. And he actually killed it. And we're actually going to show you right now. That's what he came oh, up wow. with. Wow. I mean, <laughs> let's pull the banner off. Nice. Oh, so, yeah, he wants to hold it up oh, again. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's no, that's not your fault. Yeah. That's on us. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. 
No, that's that's like yeah. Bane in a clown out, uh, a clown out, a clown. Yeah. I'm gonna go with clown yeah. outfit, clown because um, <laughs> they are. Yeah, that, that's probably like one of the most awkward things we had to, you know, talk about. But yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a tough Google search though. I'm assuming because yeah, when I was doing the the Berlin Olympics, I was just getting, you know, crowd shots and the shots of hundreds of people doing the um, Hail Hitler sign at once. Mm -hmm. You get this pit in your stomach of realizing that this. You've known it exists. You know it's real. Right. Looking at these photos as you're writing something, it's it disturbs me. I I yeah. I would assume it would yeah. be the same thing. If, you know, we see it all. You know, you see it in news and on TV. But when we actually do the deep dive, actually just look for that. Like, oh man, this kind of sucks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But Frankie, have you seen? Have you sent any crazy uh, references to artists? Yeah, um, so back when I was working on Broken Bear with Adam, um, we have a scene where our lead fights like four monsters and it's like a power set basically to like let the audience know how like capable she is as a swordsman. And I wanted them to be really gross, but I didn't have like a description in the script yet because I didn't know what I wanted them to look like. And I was walking down the street back when I lived uh, closer to the city and there was a dead squirrel on the side of like the street and it's like and i'm sorry this is gonna be gross its face was like degloved basically like something happened to it and of course my gross brain though saw it and was like oh that's gross <laughs> like that is a creepy monster design and so i had to like message adam and be like are you okay if i send you a picture of <laughs> <At> preference <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you you found the squirrel that just <laughs> happened to be exactly what you wanted to show the artist. We got you, Frankie. We know yeah. how, the, how you are. Will, what about you? Yeah, I was trying to think. Um, it's not nothing too weird. Uh, in something I'm writing now, I I, I have it's a fantasy thing. Uh, that is ballooned to like 200 pages and I'm still not done with it because I suck. But anyway, it's a long skit, dude. Yeah, I know. It's a really long skit. <laughs> I don't know if the, the punchline's going to be there or not. I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, but I was talking about, let's see, there's saber grip and the opposite of saber grip, which I can't remember the name. Buickless saber grip. Uh, but I, I had one of the characters, she was going to have one sword saber grip, the other sword, you know, down the opposite of saber grip. Right. And she was getting ready to do some serious damage to some things. So I, you know, I wrote like this paragraph, you know, well, this is the difference between saber and this is the difference between here. And then I think I included a link to the descriptions and maybe a picture or something. But the weirdest thing is probably a satellite phone. I'm like, here's what a satellite phone looks like, <laughs> you know, that you can carry around and yeah. it's big and it looks like a big old stupid cell phone. No, but it's, it, it's important because if someone literally drew it like a satellite in somebody's hands, you'd be yeah. like, <laughs> you're saving them time by giving them reference. I did Family Circus once. I wanted to show that our Cherry Macabre was really a badass, so I wanted her to have killed a bunch of demons, but it to be wanted to show where she had been in this huge room, basically by the bodies on the floor. So I just found the old family circus where they had the dots of the, where the kid walked around the neighborhood. Oh. And I was like, it's not going to look like this, but this is sort of what I want it to look like. And then Ludo just killed it. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I love it. Rabbits, how, how you said 
issue three, how long is this envisioned to go? Oh, the entire story? Well, 10 years. It was, it was oh, you, you, <laughs> long. You're, you're yeah, going we, for it. All right. Yeah, well, you know, we, we got some plans and we also want to, you know, Rabbit himself, you know, we, we don't want to just tell a story. We want to make a brand out of him, you know. <laughs> and if, even if you don't, if you never read the book, if you saw the fate, the mask and all that, oh, that's Rabbit, you know, that, mm -hmm. that I think that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of stuff that transcends things, you know, and hopefully this can be one of them. <laughs> yeah. How you no. feel. So you, you said 10 years. Is that, do you have like a page count in mind or like a, to, a total page count or a total issue count or what, what are you kind of moving toward? It's, um, how many issues? So um, it, I, rabbit, it'll be about, uh, almost a hundred. It'll almost be a hundred issues. Wow. And okay. in between that, there's spinoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, there'll, there'll be other books, maybe just not necessarily like continuation, but like one shots of other characters, but it all plays in his story. So, yeah. Yeah. It took us like a decade to write this thing. So <laughs> we've been working on yeah, it. I've got, so if this works out well, you know, there is a rabbit Bible where I have everything written down, timelines, everything. Like it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of stuff we've been, you know, I, I would like George Lucas, you know, how he just got all this stuff for Star Wars written now. We've done the same thing. Cause you know, nice. at some point we might have to bring up a writers and do stuff and we want to maybe give them something to reference, you know, cause that's, you know, you see it all the time. You bring different writers into these projects and the continuity just goes out, goes to shit. We, we don't want that to happen. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I just hope Vader's not Rabbit's father. No, no, no. There are plot twists, though. <laughs> oh man, uh, I don't know. I saw I saw Vader kicking some ass today, so I don't know. No spoilers, but I saw Vader. Oh, it was, it was pretty goddamn cool. ass. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool. They, they said Rogue One's got nothing on this. We're gonna no, we're gonna make no. Rogue One look like shit. <laughs> no, uh, uh, episode three is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So um, you talked about like the filmmaking. I, I remember uh, I, I just like to write whatever it, it is. I like to write, I, you know, like we've been joking about skits, sketch comedy. I love to write just a sketch. I love to write, you know, screenplays, short stories. I cannot write a novel. I did not have the, uh, the discipline to write a novel, but um, shorter stuff. I just like to do it. And I had these screenplays that are, you know, sitting in a drawer and me and the people that wrote it have read them and that's it. And all I need to do is come up with 400,000 to 4 million and I could film that <laughs> and uh, people could see the story. Or I could write a comic and come up with somewhere between $2,000 and $10,000 and people can read the story. And I don't know about $10,000, but I can probably come up with 2000 so that's kind of why I'm in comics as much because I just want my stories to be read, seen, felt. Mm -hmm. And it's the only thing that I can afford to do that you can get anybody's attention. You know, if short stories got people's attention, that'd be great, but they, they don't tend to. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd love the thought that you're doing this comic and you have the ability, if it catches fire, to maybe do it yourself. That's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I still have my equipment, but like that stuff changes like every day. Yeah. Technology advances, so like my equipment is getting older every day. So it's not going to do, do much good yeah. for long. Well, the big, the big, the big problem is with making a comic book independently versus making a film independently is 
with the comic, once it's done, you can pretty much you can put it out there wherever you know you use Kickstarter or you know mm -hmm. do the, go to the local comic book shops, conventions, and you can like you know at least get it in people's hands and sell it and stuff. A movie is a little harder because you can't just do that with movies. You got to go to distribution, and that's a nightmare. And it's gotten mm -hmm. worse. You know, we have a lot of friends that you know they're doing that right now. You know, going to the American film market and all that, and like, you know, a lot of these films just until they're seen, they kind of sit there, and it's rough. You know, and you, you got like ten thousand, at least ten thousand plus tied into these things. It gets a little tough. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I found that like it, someone can read at their own pace, but a movie moves at its own pace, and you have to pay attention the whole time, and that mm -hmm. might not be in everyone's want to do, and yeah. so it's easier, I think, to get your story out there when someone can read it. Yeah, I think people, they give, they'll give an independent combo a, a bit more fair chance than an independent film. It's hard to get people to sit down and watch an unknown film. For the first, unless it's horror, it's kind of like one one exceptions. It's, you know, you usually can get people to watch that, but you no, know, if you hand somebody a comic, they'll at least look at the image. And if they like it, they might just go through it. Whereas a movie, you only got like five seconds to catch their attention. Or clean yeah. the Horror fans seem to me a bit like comic fans in that they like the genre as much as they like any, you know, like right. it's, it's, it's the genre of comics. You get your people who like fantasy, your people who like superheroes, your people who like, and that's, and they, if you're in that realm, they want to try you out. And if you, if you're good, they're going to stay with you. If you're not, they're not going to give up on comics. They're going to just go to the next fantasy. And horror people seem to be like that. I, I I tend to feel like pro wrestling, comic books, and horror fans are this weird where, like, usually people have a foot in both, in two of the three, if not all three. Uh, which Interesting is Venn diagram, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's all, a lot of good. It's all diehard communities that, like you said, are going to support everything they I, I can't believe how many people like creators fans in the comic community that are just like willing to give a shot to any book basically that like comes across <laughs> as long as it as long as it's something they find interesting they're yeah. willing to get out more often than not yeah and if you if you've ever done a kickstarter and you see somebody else doing a kickstarter you're like oh i can make them feel the way i felt when somebody backed me for five dollars mm -hmm. okay yeah like why not you know it, and it's just hey you know what I, I back a lot and i like a lot of what i back and sometimes i get a book that isn't for me mm -hmm. i'm so glad i backed it yeah the creator got the chance to make it and it's, and, that's... yeah and there's somebody else out there and and nine times out of ten when i i get a book i'm like oh i don't know Three days later, I'll see the creator retweet somebody saying, this book meant so much to me because blank, blank, and blank, and I just am not that audience. Mm. You know, it's not a bad book because it wasn't for me. It's just not for me. I and agree, that's, yeah. you know, yeah. so it's cool. It, it's cool. Not, now, no one who's ever been on Explain Yourself. All of our books are good. Yeah. Right, Will? <laughs> Actually, right, I think absolutely. that's true. I haven't disliked any of the books I've gotten that have been on the show. I well, can say good. that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's funny because we've talked about this a lot. The indie comics community, you know, itself is really, really very supportive, you know, mm -hmm. of just people coming in, you know, hey, you got a story to tell, tell your story. We'll we'll support you. It's it's awesome. They, you know. Uh, but then the Kickstarter 
comics community is also just super supportive, you know, because it's, it's about, you know, creators like, you know, Hey, I've got a campaign running. Hey, let me shout out this other campaign or these other two mm -hmm. or three campaigns because they're also running, you know, and I think you might like, you know, you, you, you supported me. Maybe you'll want to support them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's really just such an amazingly supportive community that crosses, you know, the Kickstarter comics community and the indie comics community and, and together, you know, we're, we're what, like, if you count Kickstarter as what the third largest publisher of comics, you know, <laughs> these days, you know, from the direct market standpoint, yeah. I mean, it's insane. If we can take uh, Brian Sanderson's novels and call them comics, we're number one. Oh, <laughs> like by a mile. I, I don't think we're allowed to, but if we can, we might as well. We'll just do it. You know, yeah. we make the rules, right? Yes. <laughs> this is actually this is our first uh, Kickstarter ever. This oh, okay. is our first crowdfunding thing ever, and so it's been um. It's been it's been interesting. <laughs> it's been I, I mean, I, I back no. I mean, prior to I, you know, I got a lot of friends you know to do do these. I, I back you know Kickstarters and stuff, but just doing it ourselves is the first time because again, up to this point, we're pretty much you know we were uh, we're self. You know, we're independent. You know, we had the funds to make the books ourselves. Mm -hmm. And like this right here is again, we're just trying to, we're seeing like, you know, maybe expand. like expand, you know, yeah. get, get some more readers in it. And uh, you know, the money we make just goes into getting the next book done. That's all, you know, at, at the end of the day, we're, our only goal with this is to get the next book done. It's not about making money because that doesn't, <laughs> forget that happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Let's just tell the story now and then we know, hopefully it all works out at some point. <laughs> I, I tell you know, ever, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Kevin, we, we joke a lot about Kickstarter math mm -hmm. um, because we learned Kickstarter math from the, you know, the master Tyler James, of, mm -hmm. you know, comics launch. And it's weird if, you know, there's a, there's a range. If you're like 25% or more funded in your first two days, you've got a, you know, 50 60 percent chance of you know funding the book if you're once you hit 50 percent you have like an is it 90 percent kevin it's over 90 percent whatever it is so anybody who, who hits 50 percent at any point in their campaign is like 90 percent likely to fund it's this it's the craziest thing and, and you run into people who i get it you your first, second, third campaign, you're like $900 away from your $3,000 thing and you've only got 15 days to go. And you haven't had a backer in two or three days. Yeah. So like, I've been there. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, you're getting scared. And I'm all in like, I'm, you're gonna make it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can say that. No, I'm like, no, no, Kickstarter math, you're gonna make it. Yeah. And then they make it and they're like, you were right about the Kickstarter math. And I'm like, it's not that I'm smart. I've just seen it happen Yeah. over and over and over again because the community that's already been there for you is not gonna let you fail. Mm -hmm. They're not going to, because now they're part of it. Now, now this is, now everybody's hand is on an oar. Now mm -hmm. we're rowing together. Whereas somebody, you know, funds in the first four hours it's like great good for them they're they're funded and you know like i i, I hope they make more that's awesome but you know I, i'm pulling for this guy who you know james powell had um what two thousand to go with like six days like four days i think it was and he yeah. was like he's like a couple days awesome I, yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. I I know you're you're right, but it's it's just tough. And I'm doing this, that, and the other. The other thing is he worked his ass off. So I don't yeah. want to take it away from James because he worked his ass off. But it was like 
you saw it that last 18, 20 hours, the community just came out. Yep. I saw more House of Fear in that 24 hours than I saw. And there is Kevin point. breathing right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's great about it. You'll see like one person like just tweet and they'll be like, this campaign's got 48 hours and 900 bucks to go. Like, let's go. <laughs> like, and yeah. All right. <laughs> well, and, you know, and the community's doing all this work, you know, to get the book, you know, the community around the book and then the community, you know, Kickstarter community is doing everything to get the book going. But then the Kickstarter algorithms, you know, because, you know, at 48 hours, messages go out, you know, mm -hmm. which is always this, you know, at, at 48 hours, you know, that's usually when a spike starts because you know that's when all those messages go out and then with eight mm -hmm. hours left i think kickstarter sends out more messages so and you know they're also showing it i think it was funny uh kevin and i are, are friends with with a lot of other kickstarter backers and was it you know we got an update from one of them and then at the bottom kickstarter you know says hey you might like this this and this and it was three of our other friends, you know, yeah. so we're like, Hey, it's, it's a wipe here. It's all the, it's all the things. The algorithm had us set. Yeah. You know, Blake is saying that the Kickstarter community is like a three month long group hug during a beautiful summer at a not creepy commune. <laughs> I think all communes are creepy, but that's yeah. okay. Uh, I, I, I agree with you about the group hug part. Yeah, they're going to get creepy by the end. No commune is going to stay non-creepy. <laughs> Not saying I haven't been in a cult. I'm just saying it was creepy. <laughs> <The last thing. laughs> we, we all get led astray every once in a while, right? Yeah. right? <laughs> so, uh, Frankie, I didn't ask you, and I apologize. Are there more Amber Door stories in the I'm sorry, more Amber Door skits in the future, or is You're this a that in the done? ground, man? Yeah. Hey, this is our XL for the or for the night. Okay. <laughs> it's it's a skit heavy series. There's gonna be a lot of skits. That's the plan. Nice. Like, nice. Like, they have a ten year plan. This is something I hope I can just kind of do on and off when I have free time to just put these together, and then like maybe every six months or every year, just release the next. You know addition of however many shorts I've collected up to that point. Um, it's just a fun, for me, A, like it's an awesome writing exercise. I get to write and work with all these amazing artists. So I'll just do it for as long as I can keep like crapping ideas out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's a writer calling his ideas crap. <laughs> I was at a show once where a guy was going down trying to invite the artist to a show he was putting on. And he goes, yeah, you guys, you guys can come out. You can bring all this crap. And the artist next to me is like, Did you just call my stuff crap? <laughs> I thought it, I thought it was funny. And the artist next to me didn't think it was funny. But I it was hilarious. He's like, you can bring all this shit. <laughs> Art are very sensitive people. No matter how great, they could be Jim Lee level. They're very, they're very oh, sensitive. Good. That that one convention we went to, we had like. They're limited to a hundred. They're these free little preview books, kind of like ash cans with like pop singer. And it's the first appearance of Rabbit, technically, because it's a preview of it, like in the back. Mm -hmm. And we hand numbered and signed all 100 of these things, and we were giving them out for free. And I, um, there was someone who's really interested, so I gave him one, and he rolled it up around his cup 
that was cold and had condensation on it. Oh, and, but that's uh, good though. That means it's more, more. No, yeah. the other, well, the other ninety nine are are more valuable already. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's how you look at it. You know, <laughs> I almost cried. Yeah, that's there's a, you know, and I bet he didn't mean it at all. He just no. was talking to you and literally just not thinking, and he did it. But it's just. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh. I, hey, man, I, I don't know how I'd feel if I gave it away free and they did that, but if I sell it, they can burn in front oh. of me. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know, right? Hey, they they pay for it. Frankie, I'm sorry I missed what you are saying. No, that you're exactly right. If they pay me for it, they could, like, if I was at a con and I was like, that's five bucks and they gave me five bucks and they just ripped it up in front of my face. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> I hope you got $5 worth of enjoyment out of that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best thing for your, um, your, for your heart and soul, it, not for your pocketbook because you don't sell a lot of these, but the best thing for your heart and soul is do something for very little kids because the three-year-old that gets your comic, you're going to see them four hours later hugging it <laughs> Just having already destroyed it, but destroyed it with love and enjoyment. So for your heart and soul, do it. Now for your pocketbook, people at conventions buy for themselves, not their kids. So I'm not saying it's a bad business plan, but for your soul, it's lovely. You've been, you've given been. out the uh, bookmarks yeah with uh like the title rabbits badass song and like the, <laughs> the cover of uh the book and like little kids kept walking by the table and being like oh like what is this rabbit character and we're like it, it was I interesting don't know what you do yeah. where are your parents Kid, so um, <laughs> clearly this is a kid's book right but um, <laughs> it seems it's not that rabbits way. Uh, come but on. Uh, kid, yeah. every time a, kid, a child would go past my parents, they were, they were looking at them. So I, I told Chester, you see that right there? Pay attention to that. That means it works. Even though it's not for kids, I mean, they're, they're the ones, if, if the thing stays around, they're the ones that are going to keep it going. Just like we did when we were kids. We saw like Freddie and Jason, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so that I told her that that's a good sign. Mm -hmm. But one, yeah. one of the moms let the kids, like all three of the kids <laughs> have like a bookmark. And I was like, okay, like, it's like you're okay with it. <laughs> whatever way. Hey, that's whatever on works. her. They like it, they like it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I mean, our book, I mean, you know, the book is it's violent, it's got some language and stuff. There's like no sexual stuff in it, but there's definitely books way more hardcore than ours that are very accessible to young people. You know, I, I think our book, I think Family Guy is probably more offensive than our book. I mean, it depends <laughs> on your definition of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it goes in different directions, too. It's not all, I mean, there's actual stories, not just, you know, kill, yeah, kill, and, and that's all the that other crap, thing, too. So. Like, this is just like the Klansman and everything. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Up, this is just someone's, or this is Rabbit's origin story. Because once we get past these first 12 issues, it's not about that anymore. Like, I don't want people to think it's about that either. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not about, I mean, there's yeah. a little bit of race, racial, uh, stuff going on it but it's not that's not the story there's no political yeah. agenda it's merely just to tell his origin because we figured if we're going to do a the story that's going to take place over 10 years people have got to be invested in him first mm -hmm. or a story doesn't work so it's so, you know you get to know everything about this guy so hopefully by the end of the first the 12 the first 12 issues you're on board you'll you'll follow him wherever he goes so nice well i have some good news we uh got a message from krista crawford who said that uh, didn't know if she was going to be able to make it because of a traffic incident. And uh, I see her in the uh, thing. 
Hey. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? It is great. How are you? How is are you are you fine or or you know are I'm, you hydrated? I'm doing good. Today was a very day of ups and downs. I was late for work for the first time in seven years, <laughs> so that was a little traumatizing. Um, but I walked into an encore from the patients um, who who were waiting for me, who wanted, who didn't care how late I was. So that was exciting. Well, we don't care how late you are, and we're excited to have you. So we're going to give you an encore as oh, well. Thank, thank you. you. So this is perfect timing. We uh, we can get slowly. I know that you just got here, but we can talk about the wolf and I. Um, if someone was coming past you in a comic convention, what would you say to them in like 20 seconds to get their attention about the book? Oh, this is a great pitch because I actually just came off Phoenix Comic Con. Um, this is my friend, Jana, who was here. She was my booth babe. And then my little one, my mini me. <laughs> um, so at so my 22nd pitch for Wolf and I, it's a young adult fantasy comic series following the lives of two female heroines who grew up thinking they were humans and the fairy tales they were told as children were tales. When they realized that dark creatures start coming out of the corners, start strange powers start manifesting. And the stories they were told as children are actually more reality than fantasy. They're whisked off to the land of Crayweth where they're forced to face their destiny to help save the land from being overtaken by the dark wolf um, shapeshifter clan. Nice. Minute pitch. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you, that grab that grabs people. That gets people. Uh, what I latch onto that is the tales they were told were fairy tales, and that that's where I was like, because that tells me there's some stuff about to happen. Oh I'm gonna yeah. Pull up, and I'm going to pull the up the page. Yes. Yeah. Let's look at some of it. How did this story come about for you? So I actually started the, the the story of Wolf and I. I started writing it about 15 years ago. And it was supposed to be well before even as me was even a thought in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> she was going to write a book. I was Yes, I was going to write a book. And so I actually have about 80% of an actual novel written for Wolf and I. But as artists, we are our worst critics. So I constantly was like sending chapters to Jana, sending chapters to my other friend. Like, what do you think about this? What should I change about this i don't like the way that this is flowing and so over the last 15 years i was like this story's never going to come to fruition i keep changing things i keep you know maturing as a writer as an artist and i was like i'm never going to be happy with where it's at because i'm always wanting to grow and learn but i want to put it out there and so that's where wolf and i issue one 2020 was a year of growth for me I wanted to grow. I wanted to change. I was graduating with my doctorate. And this was pre-COVID, of course. I was like, I'm going to take on the world. So let's okay. put Wolf and I out as a comic. Because at least if I put it out one issue at a time, it's out there. And then I have no choice but to accept it as it is, be happy with where I am, move on to the next chapter, and then be okay with growing and seeing the growth that I've made in, in future issues. And one day it might be actually a book. Yep. <laughs> that is the goal is that one day after I put out all, you know, fix all the kinks and all the fun things that we'll actually publish it as a real book. Well, I, and, but you do all of the art and the writing, correct? I do for the interior. So all of the writing, the art, the lettering is all done by me. I do hire out for the flats as a way to support a friend who is an artist um, as their career. I do have the great flexibility of being a pediatric nurse practitioner as my trade. And so, you know, art is my passion, although there are 
wonderful student loans to pay off. So one comic at a time, right? But I have had a great, you know, throughout the issues, this is issue four that I've launched on Kickstarter. And I have just collaborated with some amazing artists to help them grow, to help, you know, bring people to Wolf and I to do variant covers. So the interiors are all me, but the variant covers are done by a variety of different artists. And they're gorgeous. Thank you. And then the nice thing too is I like to bring on a lot of indie smaller comics. So my sister does some stickers for me. My daughter does some stickers as stretch goals. And then my friend Jana also does some like stickers and bookmarks for our stretch goals too. Because that's always the fun thing about Kickstarters. You're not just getting a comic, but you're supporting a creator's dream. You're supporting like the comic coming to life. And so as a reward for kind of helping this dream come true, you get like a unique one of a kind um, edition that nobody else is ever going to get unless they helped bring this dream to reality. And I am a pin, pin collector, so <laughs> oh. I love the pins personally. So I have my little pin board. Yes, I do too. That was one of my favorite things for add-ons is creating a unique pin for every single issue that's come out. It's I, That's what I love about this industry. We have so many unique creators, so many unique artists, and art can be portrayed in so many different ways. And you have some people who love to collect art and you have some people who are just pin collectors or sticker collectors or, you know, who traditionally read books. And so they want bookmarks because I'll be honest with you, I lose bookmarks left and right. And so half the time I use like a, a receipt or a piece of toilet paper that I found. <laughs> Or a napkin, <laughs> a non-used one, because you don't want to damage the book. Of course. So we've got we've got lawful good over here, and we've got chaotic neutral over here with the bookmarks. We we balance each other out pretty well. I'm the chaotic one. Okay. Um, no, I think I saw on the page these these started uh, a a long time ago. How mm -hmm. how did you start writing the story? So I have worked in the medical industry for many, many years, and a lot of my stories have come from working night shifts in the ICU and the NICU and getting to help kids like through a lot of the traumas that they go through. You know, it's hard enough to be a kid, but when you're a kid in the hospital for days to weeks to months, a lot of what you see is just blank walls and beeping of machines. And as a creator, um, you know, that was really hard for me to see these kids go through a lot of these things. So I started writing stories. Wolf and I was definitely one of them, but all, you know, also a lot of other mini stories and anthologies and, you know, different characters that I create based on these kids' interests in order to help them get through the long nights. Cause it's, it's hard to sleep when you're being woken up every two hours for vital checks and medicine. And so it was my way of helping them cope through some of these long nights and it kind of these characters just came to life in my head and they continued to live in there. So even when on on days that I wasn't working in the ICU and I wasn't on shift, they continued to live these lives and these stories just came to life inside my head. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Oh, you'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right. I, I think this is the first time we've had somebody cry on the show. Well. For a good reason. Mm. Kind of, for a good reason. Cry, I promise. We've, we've actually been following each other on, on Instagram for a long time. I've been yeah. you know, looking at your stuff. I said, oh, I, I know who she is. Yeah. I'm one of those like diamond in the rough kind of people. It's funny because like I know a lot of people. My husband runs the, the print shop here on Villain Designs here in Arizona. So we work with a lot of indie like comic creators. 
And just through my volunteer work, like going to the hospital, we dress up as princesses. We do a lot of Comic-Cons. We do a lot of volunteer events. And so we've met a lot of these creators. And so we just have like a whole network of really close individuals. And it's just exciting to be able to work in the community, to promote like art, to get kids excited about art and comics. Because, you know, you know, we grew up reading books. We grew up reading comics. But if our kids don't get that same like interaction who knows what they'll do when they're adults they may not be comic writers and we want comics to last forever and so it's instilling that love of books and comics in them at a young age that's going to carry them through their whole lives and at the con we were princesses and (laughs) how many little kids ran up and be like you're our favorite princess to all of us. There was four of us total. And just having those children walk up and run and hug us was 10 times better than when you've cosplayed, like I feel personally, as an anime character of your favorite show. I'm like, and the same thing with like princess. Yeah. And having so many out so far of a reach or even thinking like as a kid like what books inspired me what books do i still like contribute today for how i am as an adult that got me through the hard times that you know kind of focused me like what i wanted to do with my life yeah i i can look back on um the hero and the crown by robin mckinley Mm -hmm. as basically creating my acceptance as a 12 year old boy to a female hero being the lead of a book a movie a whatever yeah. uh or comic yeah yeah and it's just literally just it was probably the first time that i ran into it but i loved that book so much that i didn't care that aaron wasn't i didn't look like aaron i didn't care she was yeah awesome. It just made an impact on your life and it changes how you think about decisions. It changes how you think about other people. It changes how you feel about yourself too. And that impacts you. We don't live one day, one week, one month. I mean, we live years and every single interaction we have, every person we talk to makes an imprint on our life, no matter how small or how big. And you don't realize how some of these impacts can really have on your lifelong like ideal of yourself. Well, I, as a father of a, a, she's 13 now, so she, <laughs> she's not as much, but, but yeah. if she does see somebody, it does see a bell at a comic convention. She's, yeah. she's happy to see a bell, yeah. but I, I can say that everybody who dresses like a princess and is accessible to a very young child is yes. a superhero because yes. they are in the land of Arendelle when they see Anya, they are not, they, they do. don't see somebody else. You no, transport and they don't them. see the art behind them. They don't see the late, you know, the, the different, no, they see and, their favorite princess and they run up and their whole day is made. Mm-hmm. And they don't even see like if your facial features aren't exactly Mm-mm. the same. They're or just something. so excited to meet their hero. Yes. Jasmine at Disney actually recognized my daughter the second oh. time we went. Oh, yeah. Have I met you before? We were like, oh. <laughs> see, I took my daughter and she got to do a walk around with Goofy because she had Goofy ears. Oh, nice. And it was, and they remember so that their whole life. I mean, years later, they still are like, Mom, do you remember when I went and I gave Goofy a hug or when Pluto gave me a hug or when I did this? You know, and even like as adults, like I think back and I, 
And I'm like, wow, like that just made my day. It made my month. It made my week. And I'm able to take that happiness and spread it to so many other people. And ultimately, you know, that's why I'm an artist. I want to make someone's day. I want to make people's dreams come true. I want to support other artists. And that's the great thing about our community. There's a comic for everybody. There's a character for everybody. But the big thing is you got to support each other because without it, it's just going to be a bridge that collapses. We're each supporting structures and we all create this giant universe that everybody belongs in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you can see some people who don't actually believe that Mm -hmm. come in and they don't hang around very long because mm -hmm. it it's just it's just so much easier you know i'm going to use the the same exact thing it's so much easier when we're all rowing together we all move forward but yeah. you know it's rising tide floats all the boats so mm -hmm. let's let's help each other out and let's let's work and i want young adult and little kid comics for the most selfish reason in the world because <laughs> I write adult comics and I want in eight years for someone to yeah. mature you, into them and buy you think them. Of like the stories you grew up with yeah. and they resonate with you even as an adult. Yes. You think back to them. I mean, every day, every decision I make, I think back and sometimes I'm like, well, you know, what would Frodo do? What would Harry do? Like if, if they were living in my shoes today, like what kind of decisions would they make? You know, if they were faced with a challenge that really like made their day tough, would they just like cry it out and go like mope in the corner? No, they would like stand up and they're like, well, how would well, I face this? How I would think, I go about my challenges? Like, who I think I Frodo them? would. I think Frodo would stand in the corner <laughs> yeah. and cry. And then Sam would pick yeah, him up. <laughs> but it was their whole gang together. And that's, you know, brings in the unity of friendship. And, you know, that you're not just by yourself. You have to know who's around you and who's your supporting buddies that'll get you through to the end. You know, because without his, Sam. without Sam, you know, Lord of the Rings would be like poopy. <laughs> Will is my Sam. Ending. Yeah, Will is my Sam, and I am everybody's Pippin. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my yeah. job. <laughs> Blake, earlier we were talking about crying. Blake from Blake's bus says, "I'm always crying in the comments because of the money you make me spend." <laughs> yeah, that is that is our job to do, and uh, a. Greetings, everybody from uh, Mon Monterey, Mexico. Julio, Hi. thank you for watching. Good Hi, to see you, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, no, I and and Frankie popped off. It could be late for him, or it could be a technical thing. But before... I will say, like it was I, when you were like, "Oh, it's eleven, you know, o'clock." I was like, "Oh, thank goodness, that's like <laughs> eight o'clock here. That's like prime time. The kids winding down. We're yeah. winding down <laughs> over here on the West Coast." He's back. Oh, hey, good. Frankie's yes. back. Hey, Frankie. Hey. We, we, we're, we're fine if you dip, but if you got to go, if, but if it's technical, we'll always let you back in. Yeah. Um, that tends to be my end is I'm like, oh, I pressed the wrong button. <laughs> we find the West Coast people are usually hungry. The East Coast people are usually tired. That's kind of how we, how we lose we're people cool. depending on the coasts. After the whole tire, barbecue. yeah. After the whole tire fiasco, we decided to go all you can eat Korean and then pop on. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, cannot stick another bite in this mouth. We have this amazing restaurant that's down the street that they have the grills built into your table, and you just mm. order whatever meat, like nonstop. 
phenomenal. All meats, all appetizer, all included. And you just cook them on your table in front of you. And so it's amazing. Hawaiian barbecue was my favorite. Mm. Hawaiian barbecue pork belly. Yes. Okay. Not so to make you this... hungry. That you, you, it's it's late and I, I need my midnight snack. So, that's <laughs> but um, we have lots of snacks if you were closer. We actually, <laughs> so we just got off Phoenix Comic Con this weekend, and so for the convention, we threw a barbecue. We we love like again, I love celebrating. I love indie comics, and so we always throw a big barbecue Friday of our big like local convention. So we smoked all day meat all day long, but we made this really awesome popcorn. Firecracker it was popcorn. firecracker popcorn. It was popcorn. And then it had Chex Mix, pretzels, homemade, homemade Rice Krispies, uh, white chocolate, and then we put Pop Rocks and sprinkles. So every bite like crackled and popped in your mouth. It was like a kid's dream come true. So well, <laughs> in your mouth. Yes. Well, Phoenix Comic Con next year. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know, we, man. We get a table. Come down to us. Come down to Phoenix. My door is open. We made enough food for probably twenty or thirty people, and I think maybe fifteen showed up. So I had leftovers. <laughs> I still have leftovers. I think there eating. was more than fifteen. I think there was close to twenty people. It, it was a pretty good turnout for a con. You, you could stay here, Kevin. You could you could you know come here on the, on the way, and then we could go from here. Dr yeah. <laughs> No, I do not. Welcome. I might yeah. drive to Arkansas. I'm not driving from Florida to Arizona. I'm flying. <laughs> I, 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 well, if you're in Florida. I will fly and go to Disney World <gasps> and Universal Orlando anytime. All right. We'll meet at, <laughs> we'll meet at the collective. Casa es su casa. All I need is some floor space about five foot by one and a half. We can, we can make that happen. We can I'm make like that Hobbit happen. size, so I'm really easy to accommodate. You got a, you got a closet I can sleep in there. I'm unfortunately. A Quite a few inches taller. <laughs> so, was this we your first work. show? Was this your first show, or have you? Uh... No, I've been doing comic cons. Oh gosh, eight nine years now. Oh wow! Not discuss that. Better enough. <laughs> Not to show our ages here. Um, we'll, we'll go with yes. It was our first show too. Yeah, <laughs> of we're just beautiful new princesses to the company. <laughs> no, um, this was my first show having my actual comic and print at conventions. I've been doing comic cons for about nine or ten years now, um, selling like a lot of fan art and then like stickers and handmade like comic y inspired stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I started writing my comic series in 2020, right before like the global COVID. pandemic happened. Um, that was a year of interesting things. I launched my first Kickstarter. I graduated with my doctorate. Um, I did not get my first job in 2020. That waited a year. Um, <laughs> there weren't many openings. Out no, there. but my business grew. So that was kind of interesting. My husband and I run Huron Villain Designs print shop. So we print comics and prints and stickers and banners and business cards and pretty much anything paper product. And so in 2020, when a lot of the like local comic shops that had actual like storefronts shut down, we really reached out to creators, especially ones doing Kickstarters. And we're like, hey, we're a local mom and pop kick, you know, comic shop or I mean print shop and we can still help you. We run out of our house. We're all vaccinated. You know, like let us help you continue to you know, you run your careers as artists through Kickstarter and Etsy and other like indie shops and still get you the products you need. Cause a lot of our competitor print shops shut down completely during the pandemic. Well, and I feel like a lot of people had their online stores mm -hmm. also. Cause nobody could go anywhere. Booming, yeah. I guess if you'd say it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, speaking, we, of, speaking of conventions, uh, Frankie, uh, Chris Chastity, you know, how, how have conventions been for, for all of you? 
I haven't been back yet. Uh, I hopefully will go. I was going to go to C2E2 this year, but I actually accidentally double booked it. Uh, so I'll their state then, which is unfortunate. But but uh, so hopefully next year, I guess I'll get started. I have so much product. <laughs> no, because you double booked it. After you look back, did you make the right choice? Yeah, because yeah. you had two choices. <laughs> I feel pretty good about my choices. Good. Okay. Good. You're the you're the, you're the positive Gwyneth sliding door. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you told the story about the hundred Ashcans. Is that was that was? I'm assuming your first convention. Have you done many, or is that the only one you've done? That's the first one we actually uh, were selling books. At. I've been to quite a few conventions. Uh, that was last year with the uh, was it the Fanboy Expo? The Knoxville. In Knoxville Fanboy Expo. But our the, we usually have uh, Richmond does a Comic Con like twice a year. They've been last year was like the first after the pandemic, kind of you know cool down they they started back up but there's been, there's been quite a few conventions we've been checking out so been pretty good so would you say that the attendance was pre-covid good or more or less it was pretty it was it was pretty crowded was it <laughs> I think so. I felt like there used to be a line out the door. Uh, I don't. I mean, I mean, the one in Knoxville was pretty huge because everybody, oh, yeah, because well, yeah, William Shatner was yeah. there, and George Takai, yeah, that one huge. Uh, Richmond, the second one after the pandemic, like that, it started picking back up. Mm-hmm. A lot of people yeah. were coming out for it. I think everybody got accustomed to the face masks and just you know taking the proper steps, not to you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was our like wonder before we went to the convention. We're like. How is the attendance going to be? Mm. Are we going to see a lot of the people we know? Are we going to see new faces? Are we going to mm. see more faces? Because you never know, especially since so many people have been homebound for the last mm-hmm. so many yeah. years. It w- Phoenix was very <laughs> interesting. Now, originally, they canceled, of course, 2020. They canceled 20, 2021. Then they were going to make it. January 2022 and they canceled that one because we had another big spurt here in Arizona and being a pediatric nurse practitioner I've really like followed their trends closely because of course we're seeing kids in clinic that are positive and so kind of just watching and seeing how the community goes how unfortunately when they bumped it back to May again um, they put it at the same weekend as Star Wars convention which is just five hours away in Anaheim and the beginning of summer here yeah and um Comic-Con here in May is not beautiful because it's 120 degrees outside. <laughs> yeah, the idea of wearing a ball gown in January is so much more appealing than wearing a ball gown in the end of May. But I feel like a lot of the attendees, when I talked to them, or not the attendees that showed up, but the attendees that originally planned to come in January had bought their tickets for uh, Star Wars convention because they thought Phoenix was going to be in January and Star Wars was going to be in May. And then it ended up being the exact same weekend. So we had a lot of vendors and a lot of attendees who like just didn't show you know, up. ate the cost and didn't show up because they couldn't get a oh. refund. Oh man! Oh no, that's terrible. They couldn't get a refund when you change mm-hmm. the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's so many stories of people not um, being cool with other people with money with this pandemic, and it's like mm-hmm. we're yeah. all kind of. We're all in this, right? Like, right. well, I guess, I guess, like some of us are not in this, <laughs> which is why we're all still in it. Yeah. But, um, but, this uh, like, is true. This is can, true. 
some people I can't refuse the noodle. Like, yeah, offer it. Like, yeah, okay. And I get it. Hey. Like, everybody's got their opinion. Everybody's going to do what they want to do. Clearly, as a medical provider, you know, I'm very pro-vaccine. But, you know, there are situations. You're pro-vaccine, anti-mask, just, just. Get the yeah. shot. <laughs> just, no like, go back to normal. I'm ready to see people. I'm ready to go to conventions. I'm ready to dress oh. up. I'm ready to talk about art again. Yeah. No, I do understand that. I agree. I agree. I, yeah. uh, I, I missed my, yeah, I did. My, I, you know, coming back was like a family reunion, getting oh, beautiful. friends I hadn't seen in three years, you know, whether the money was good or not good, or we broke even, or we made money. Like, you know, that was like, you know, in the wind, the big thing was like, I haven't seen you in three years. Like, how are you doing? How's your family doing? You know, how's your mental health doing? What have you been up to? What have you tried new? What are the new hobbies that you're into? And you realize how many friends that you have that it doesn't matter if it's been three years or three days, you pick up right where you left off. Yeah. It sounds to me like you would have made profit except for the eight thousand dollar barbecue you threw. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Uh we did put a lot of money. We made um brisket. My husband stayed home, so I went we, we went to Phoenix Comic Con, my booth babe and me. Um, because you always have to have a booth babe. Like if you don't run Comic Con without a booth babe, you're missing out. Um and so my husband stayed home on Friday and he made brisket and ribs and chicken. And we had stayed home on yeah. Thursday and like pre-baked a bunch of stuff. We made the popcorn. We made babat cheesecake from Costco because it's just so much easier. But Rice Krispies. We made homemade macaroons. Yeah, macaroons. We made French macaroons from scratch. And I mean, we had tons of food. I'm I want peanut butter cookies. Yes. I'm that a was the one requested item. We had like six randomly. people request for peanut butter cookies. <laughs> I'm not I'm kidding. Like, I want to go to Phoenix Comic Con now because right? of your Come barbecue. Not the show. Yes. It is so much fun. <laughs> Plus, you get to see me dancing around in a princess costume. Oh, I mean, yeah. What's better than that? So, it's hot. I don't mind. Skirt, you just sit there and sway so you can paint your own you hands your, your skirt. So, we just sit yeah. there all day just dancing. Yep. We set the circus rig up in the backyard. We had a mini pool. We had, you know, we made, we bought an industrial size eye shaver to make shaved ice with. Yes. True story. <laughs> we went all out. We, you know, I'm, I'm all about getting the community together. And this was like my one time a year that I just, I love it. Like, and food is my love language. So not only can I help indie creators, but I can make people get connections together. I can feed people and make them happy. Like I look forward to it every year. And baking is like so relaxing. Mm -hmm. In its own, if you like baking. If you don't like baking, <laughs> that's a whole nother okay, story. Okay. As, as two people who like baking, it's like zen moments. Mm -hmm. You literally just said to me, you know what's relaxing? Taking bamboo and shoving it under your fingers. <laughs> Baking is the least relaxing thing in the world. You have to follow instructions to the T. And I it's I don't know, no, no, no. no my, wife, like, my wife is with you. Have you ever made bread where you just sit there and just like I'm mad. I'm going to beat the bread until no, it's good. Macaroons. You literally have to smack the cookies. You pipe sure. all the cookies on a cookie pan and then you slam them on the counter about six times and then let them alone. I'm saying that with bread though, because you got you gotta punch the air out of the bread. Yeah. It's relaxing because okay, if you give like me one thing to do, I can awesome. do it. It's the right. nine things in a row and the timing and no, I, I yeah. Can't oh yeah. Give me <laughs> a hot grill. Let me put meat down. on it 
and guess how long I'm in my element. I just need seven dwarves to the dishes for me. Like I can bake all day long. I can smoke wait, meat wait, all day wait. long. You, you're talking about the wrong princess. You weren't. The oh one with yeah, the that's just true. You were the one with the dwarves. I was the one with the magical kingdom that had all yeah. of the talking, you know, animated household items. <laughs> yes. So my sink should have done all the work pot. for me. If, if you want, if I come to your barbecue, I will do the right. dishes. Just let me listen to my podcast. I will do the dishes. <laughs> so, no, that is awesome. It's really great to meet everybody here. It's about 1220 here. Um, so I think everybody should do one, in case somebody came in late, one last uh, pitch on the comics. And then Will and I are going to go through and talk about some of the books that uh, creators were on in the last couple of weeks that are still funding. We're going to do the same thing for you guys as long as you are still alive, which means, Frankie, we're not going to say a damn thing about we'll, you. We'll raise a glass to you next week, man. Okay. Yes. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not sure on rabbits. What do you have? Six days? Will you be live next week or we're, uh, yeah. we got 12 days? I think. Yeah. So we're going to, all right, we're yeah. going to, we'll talk about Robin in now. Awesome. If you hang with us, you will see that this might not be the greatest thing because it's, <laughs> in, it's late. I had a couple drinks. So we have no hey, promises about how great we do. Ice slushies, so. I, I already finished <laughs> Nice. Nice. But, um, yeah, let's do, uh, Frankie, let's do one last uh, pitch on the Amber Door because you've got three days left. Monday, you close. So. Yes, it's almost over. So the Amber Door is a mini fantasy anthology uh, that focuses on mood and tone. So the concept basically is like the Amber Door opens and it shows you a moment in time. And you get to be there for that brief moment and then the door will shut and then no more. And so that's the idea. Every short is sort of like you walked into somebody's life and something's going on. Um, and it basically, this first volume, uh, there's no real themes to it outside of its fantasy. I want to do kind of everything. I want to do romance, horror, you know, high fantasy, low fantasy, stuff like that. Uh, but for this first one, the theme seemed to have inadvertently been uh, sword ladies. Every lead is like a lady with a sword. I didn't mean to do that, but I guess that's where my brain's at. <laughs> well, in fairness to you, you didn't write Fellhounds with a sword lady. She drew you a sword yeah. lady. I know her. Yeah. To a morning star for that one. <laughs> <laughs> you made her stretch, huh? All right, yeah. great. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to read it. Um, we've got 12 days left on Rabbit's Badass Song. Uh, Chris, so uh, how how would you uh, talk about it one more time? Uh, some revenge story with uh, violence and fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You guys keep talking about food. Come on, guys. Give a fat guy a break. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, a couple other things. Also, like um, for everybody who bet, everybody gets something extra in this. Even even the the, uh, the the PDF. If you just download that, you're gonna get an extra PDF goodie. Um, all physical backers, they're eligible for. They're gonna get put into a random drawing. We do it twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, and we, we uh, pull a name. You get like, a, we so far we've given away like uh, misprints of the books, um, all kinds of stuff. Oh, that's so awesome. yeah, the big thing is once we hit the goal, we're gonna do one big giveaway at the end of it. And we're gonna uh, put all the names back in and we're gonna draw for 
a custom rabbit Funko Pop oh, wrapped up. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. That's only one that- Oh, I want to grab a Funko Wolf and I. That, that is so phenomenal. I, that is such a cool idea. Yeah, and you That's had the um, only one, the only one I made. Oh. So you had action figures too, didn't you? I thought yeah, the action on the page. On yeah, oh. we, yeah, we sold the. Uh, we I did one black and white set that got sold. Somebody bought that fast, and we sold two Ooh. of the, the sets. I think there's three left. Nice, cool. That's really neat. That yeah. is. Will did li- little Lego guys of his crossover oh, visions, so Hank and Hector. So I'm, I've got them on my bookcase and in, in, in my bedroom. Oh, that's epic. I've never done action figures, but I did do whiskey glasses. And so that was kind of. <laughs> that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> we adults a lot. Oh, so, action figures so, and Lego figures must have been so cool. That's such a neat idea. I did that. Uh, I did. Yeah, I recommend doing them. Yeah, I did big Pilsner glasses, beer glasses. Oh, yeah. And, I did that. I, I would say that it was the greatest friends and family marketing thing I've yes. ever done. <laughs> Financially, the worst decision no. I've ever made. <laughs> so- I, will agree. I will agree. And I handmade all of our like etched whiskey glasses and it yeah. was just t-shirts. Yeah. And the t-shirts. And I was yeah. like, why did I do this? But I was like, but I love it, but I love yeah. them, but I hate this. <laughs> wait, 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 you bought a new house. Here's two turk glasses. And then you love it. <laughs> But yep. have I have I sold twelve of the hundred and forty four? Maybe twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, the wolf and I um, let's uh, go back through it in case yeah, somebody just came. Yeah, let me give you up. my blockbuster pissed. Hopefully you're it. ready for this. So if it was a spring blast blockbuster, <laughs> this would be my movie blockbuster. In the voice, in the lip. Out of the voice. <laughs> In a land slowly (laughs) overtaken by darkness, eyes peer into every nightmare. Tread carefully, take heed and beware, for creatures crawl throughout the night. Secrets of history shall come to light. Internal powers before unknown, choices are made, worlds are shown. Two heroines are faced with a choice, to band with friends and unite their voice against this evil they must stand for the fate of Crayweth lays in their hands. Nice. Bravo. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, all right. I was, uh, on a, I was on a pitch show one time. La- uh, this is my fourth issue of my comic book, so it'll be my fourth Kickstarter, which were 89% funded, which I'm like over the moon about. I'm like, I can't stop. My face is going to be in a permanent grin for the fact <laughs> that we'll fund our fourth Kickstarter. Um, and I think it was issue three. Issue three, yeah. I was on a, a new show, which I'd never been on before, and they were like, all right pitch your show, pitch your comic as a Kickstarter. And I was like, ah, ah, I've got 10 seconds. All right. And it just kind of flowed out of me. So I went Mm -hmm. back and I rewatched this video probably a hundred times. And I'm like (laughs) writing down what I said, because it was like in the moment, just like word vomit on the page. And I was like, you know, that actually came out pretty good. And it was in rhyme like that for the most, yeah, for the most part it, it, it rhymed. I mean, I, I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. I, I speak in, in Dr. Seuss um, half the time. Or Blue's Clues or, you know, so half the time what I, ri- what I 
write and read is in limericks. And so it just kind of like bleh, came out. <laughs> Sicilic <laughs> acid is what we will use. <laughs> yeah. I made a few little tweaks, but like ever since I'm like, this has got to be like the permanent picture of Wolf and I, because we're planning on having about 10 to 20 issues um, ultimately. And um, I was like, this is it. Like this is, this is Wolf and I. Will and I found the theme. We never put any of the shows together with any thought yeah. at all. It's just, hey, you've got a campaign. What's the best <laughs> Friday for you? And yeah. you guys tell us this Friday, next Friday, whatever it is. So there's never really any, because that would take like uh, organization and forethought, of which course. Will and I don't <laughs> have. Who has time? The this is true. Sometimes like the best, like in the moment, like you're put on the spotlight and you're like, all right, tell me like 20 seconds about your campaign. You're like, uh, okay. <laughs> but we usually find some theme between the books, you know, like everybody's oh, doing yeah. Cthulhu or so you guys are all doing these very long-term uh, stories, you know, mm -hmm. and so are Will and I. So, yeah. you know, this is, this is people that are, because because Frankie says, hey, if I can do one of these forever. a year forever, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's and, pretty and, long term forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't die. I have more amber door to write. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But um, that's great. I love that everybody has these long range plans and are, you know, slowly and surely putting them out, whether the first, the first or the fourth, that, yeah. that is fabulous. And it's really cool. Thank you guys so much for coming. Will no, and I are going to talk about, much. yeah, you don't have to leave, but you also don't have to stay. <laughs> Will and I are going to talk about, about the like other campaigns. You're like, I'm ready to go to bed. But I mean, if you want to still stay at my house, like the, these are the social spots that are Don't open. be surprised if my camera goes off and I just vanish. And that is, that is fair. That is fair. Um, in four days, we have the very not young adult comic, uh, Usual Haunts, not safe for work about a vampire who realizes that she kind of didn't get jiggy with it as a human and she is going to use eternity to find that part of her uh of her reality and uh just i when i i said to her it's just adorably dirty it is very <laughs> dirty but it's also adorable and fun slice of life uh comic but certainly uh 17 plus <laughs> And we also have, oh, we talked about it earlier, Pregnant Bitches of War. Oh, this one's for the kids. Um, it's the, the Gonzo, heart, yes. Heart. The Gonzo comedy from our buddy Clay Adams. Uh, and it is basically, I think, six pregnant women are accidentally thrown back in time where they <laughs> kill Hitler and find out that, Maybe Hitler wasn't even the worst thing that could have happened to the world because they let loose an entirely other time stream that oh, is also sucky. Um, and just it's gonzo comedy. Uh, if if you if you can be offended, you will be offended. And if you can't be offended, you might be surprised. Um, <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, but definitely uh, it's it's gonzo. Um, we didn't have Russell Nohel, uh, Nolte on this this time, but he does have a novel series of his Godverse Chronicles. There's four new novels. So uh, if you um, haven't heard about Russell's book, it's out there. 
Robert Krish's The Turner Family Terrors are kind of the Simpsons meet Hellboy, he says. Um, just a, a comedy about a family that um, uh, they, they, they investigate um, stuff, right, Will? Monster Hunters. Monster Hunters. A family of Monster Hunters within yep. that Simpsons Hellboy type uh, realm. Uh, and then we had uh, our a first for us last week. We had a video from Farhan, uh, yeah. who is in London, and not even close to syncing up with our time zones. So no. um, <laughs> we played a video of his, uh, which was really kind of cool. But uh, his Battle Panda number one, uh, Big Trouble in Panda City, is uh, I think it has about ten days left. Actually, let me check on that real quick. Looking like eight days, eight. and they're at seventy nine percent. So they're definitely right there in that perfectly yeah. good funding you know, Kickstarter math kicking in. Uh, it's about a panda who always wanted to grow up to be a fighter. And unfortunately, the wolves around his town start stealing their water. And he decide he finds out whether or not he actually is a fighter because he has to do it. Um, really adorable artwork. Uh, really cool, cool stuff. And then um, there's, a, uh, there's some slacker writer I know that's got a, uh, a campaign running too uh, right now. Um, which I love because, you know, it's time traveling demon hunters and Ludovic Saleh is an awesome artist. And that Kevin guy is a pretty good writer, too. So, uh, <laughs> he's he's a jerk. But uh, I, I like my it. problem is I always know how his stories are going to end. Uh, he yeah. has not surprised me once. You know, but, that's, um, that's so sad, man. <laughs> he surprised me a few times. <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, we are collecting a hardcover. We didn't go into it much because I got to go into it last last week and it's will and i love to do this and we want you to enjoy doing it so we don't want to take away your time um but yeah we're doing a hardcover of the second arc four through seven of our submerged arc where they go to truck lagoon which is a real haunted waterway and uh it was a japanese and american battle in world war ii and there are scuba divers here phantom drumming they don't know where it's coming from and they see these ghost lights they don't know what it is and uh, we got to do some crazy make-em-ups on how our time traveling demon hunters actually interacted with uh, the world's most haunted waterway so it's fun that sounds awesome nice thank you well guys thank you so much for joining us it was a pleasure <laughs> to we we've met frankie before but it's a pleasure to meet the the four of you who joined us and we really appreciate it. And uh, we can't wait to see you guys fund and uh, hit stretch goals and beyond. You know, I, I'm going to win. I'm going to win a Funko pop. I don't know yeah. about anybody else. <laughs> and, and I, I, I kind of want to win the Funko pop yeah. too for my bookshelf. <laughs> I think it speaks to Frankie's bad taste that he actually came back on the show. So, you know. <laughs> I, I, I call it eclectic taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you so yeah, much. Thanks again, everyone. Good good night. Night. Bye -bye. Thank you to everybody in the chat. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment 
action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 